God is definitely real. He is real. There is no doubt about it that our God is real, that Jesus is real. This time, this day and age, a lot of people doubt God. A lot of people don't know how real and how good God really is. They don't understand that it is because of him why we are even living today. He said he created the good and the evil. He lets us get away with some evil up to a certain point. But God is real. Today, we're going to be talking about just how good God is. You know, we, we fight a lot spiritually. The devil is always trying to do something. He's always trying to get in the mix somewhere. He's always trying to put you down or, or get you down or, or make you sad or, or confuse you. He's, he don't stop. He does not stop. But this week when, when I was reading the Bible, I, I was praying, Lord, what, what am I supposed to preach? What am I supposed to teach the people? And the Lord told me, just go get your Bible and close it and do like mommy and daddy used to do and flip it over and open the Bible and whatever your finger points at, preach. And so I did. But when I did that, it was such a beautiful verse that our Redeemer lives and that God is nigh even at our mouth and that though we struggle and though we fight he has lifted up a standard for us we don't even feel the full effect of what the devil wants for us because god does not allow him to destroy us he only lets us go through something that he knows we can make it through he only lets us go through things that will strengthen us that will encourage us yes it's grievous at the moment but if we make it to the end we become encouraged we're going to be reading out of Zechariah I'll be reading that one Zechariah 6 chapter 9 6 through 10 Zephaniah 3 17 through 20 Isaiah 59 19 through 21 first Peter 5 10 through 11 Mark 3 23 through 26 and Luke 21 25 through 28 let us rise Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day. Thank you, my God, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for just being so good to us. You don't have to, but you wake us up every single morning. And your mercies are new every morning. Lord, you, they are your compassions are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. My Father, bless this seed to fall upon good ground. Lord, open up our understanding that we may understand just a little bit more of how good you really are. My Father, don't let me say anything according to the flesh, but let me speak spiritual, my God, that we may eat spiritually, O oh Lord, and live. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. In the book of Zechariah, the ninth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse, it says, A bastard shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistine. And I will take away his blood out of his mouth and his abominations from between his teeth. But he that remaineth, even he shall be for our God. And he shall be as a governor in Judah and Ekron as in Jebusite. And I will encamp about mine house because of the army, 
because of him that passes by and because of him that returneth and no oppressor shall go through them anymore for now have I seen with mine eyes rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold thy king cometh unto thee he is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt of an ass. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the horse of Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even unto the end of the earth. Jesus is telling us in that first verse he said that he is going to cut off the pride of the Philistines. See the Philistines they used to, they were captive and the Philistines had a lot of pride against David and against the children of Israel and every chance they seemed to have they went to fight them. They wanted their land, they wanted everything that they had, they just wanted to always vex the children of Israel. Everywhere, every chance they got they wanted to fight the children of Israel. And they were proud to fight the children of Israel. And, and when God would deliver the children of Israel into their hand, because the children of Israel had sinned against God and God would let them overcome, then they would get full of pride and run and take it to their gods and say, our gods have delivered our enemies into our hands. And they would be so boastful against God's creation, against God's chosen people. Well, the same thing it is today is that the devil will fight us is every chance he gets. He will fight us. And because now sometimes we're not doing wrong for the devil to overcome, us sometimes it is to strengthen us and to show us things so he lets the devil fight up to a certain point but then the devil begins to get bolsterous and proudful thinking that he's getting us down which he's not he's only making us stronger he's like our little sparring partner if you would you know when you do martial arts and you can shadow box all you want but until you actually come in contact with somebody, you really don't learn that much. So all the fighters, all the boxers, everybody, they have sparring days. They have days where they will go and fight each other. And although that they are supposedly on the same team, they will still fight each other and train each other. And, and that's kind of how I view the devil, is our little sparring partner. He, We need to get strong. God says, oh, say, they need to be strengthened. Go ahead and spar them. And we need to get faster. And he calls some other little devils and go ahead and get them faster. And we need to be wiser. And he calls some other spirits and go and tempt them and they're going to become wise and and he's just our little sparring partner he's not somebody to look at that to be afraid of him or to to bow down when he's there he's not that guy he is just enough to make us stronger in the lord don't get him twisted god did give him a lot of power and if you don't know your god he can easily deceive you and walk right all over you. But if you know your God and you know who Jesus is and you know the power that they have is unlimited because Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth. No matter what the devil comes at you with, it's only to make you stronger. The Bible says all things work together for the good to them that love God. So it doesn't matter what we're going through. It's to make us stronger. It's to make us wiser. But 
Jesus says when the devil comes in like a flood, when he begins to think, I'm going to kill. I'm not going to just spar with him. God's not letting me go ahead and get him. So he like he tried to take over heaven. He tried to go above God and he got kicked out. And when the devil gets, you know what, I'm tired of just sparring with them. I'm tired of just being able to nitpick and just kind of get them. I want to kill them. And when the devil comes in like a flood, what does God do? He lifts up that standard. You're not killing my children. You're not going to be able to fight my children more than they can take. I'm not going to let you do that. You can flare up if you want to. You can act as big and bad as you want to. But when you go to my children and I see that they will lose, I will lift up a standard. I will protect my children. We have so many promises that we can hold on to. The devil can't defeat us. The only way the devil defeats us is if we let him. Because the battle is not ours. It's already the Lord's. It's already won. It was already set out. This is what they can handle. This is what you can do. And when he tries to go more, he said, I'm going to lift up a standard. That's not going to happen. You're not going to kill my children. You're not going to overpower my children. You're not going to even be able to tempt them beyond what they can handle. I will not allow that. So we don't have nothing to worry about when God is on our side. He said, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. When God is for us, nobody can be against us. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 through 11. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, sometimes you got to go through something. Sometimes you do have to suffer. Sometimes you got to be molded and made and, and every everything that we know of has to be broken down. Everything. There's not one thing in this world that is useful without being broken down. Not one. You want a house? Trees have to give up their lives in order to have a house. You want a good foundation? Rocks got to be cut. The only thing that wasn't cut was this, the altar. When they made an altar, they had to do it out of unhewn stones. They, they couldn't cut them. They had to go find one that would fit and make a good altar. That's the only time that something didn't get broken down. But in order for them to have a sacrifice, the animal had to die. Everything to be useful has to be broken down. You want to eat, you can line you up the most healthiest plate of food. And except you chew it, it's not going to do you any good. You can look at it all day long you want to. That is the most healthiest plate. And my goodness gracious, it'll, it has vitamins and minerals and gains and everything else you can possibly think of. But as long as you leave it on the plate, you'll eventually die. You will starve to death. But once you get all of that goodness that you took so long prepared and your plate looks nice, you're going to destroy it. You have to destroy it. It has to be. Otherwise, it won't do you any good. But once it goes in your mouth and you chew it up, then you swallow it. And your acids even break it down more. Otherwise, it don't do you no good. Anything in this world that God created, if you want to enjoy the use of it, 
has to be broken down. He said, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, thou will not despise. Because he created us, but when Adam did what Adam did, we were born in sin now. So now our flesh has to be broken down in order for the spirit to survive. In order for the spirit to be fruitful, the flesh has to be broken down. So he said, after you have suffered a while, when I get done breaking you all down, when I get done separating that flesh, when I get done killing that flesh, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to settle you. The word settle means that you don't have to be moved anymore. You won't be carried away by every wind of doctrine anymore. You won't have to go from place to place trying to find rest for your souls. He said, after you have suffered a while, I will strengthen you. I'm going to settle you and I'm going to make you perfect. Why? Is it because of our goodness? No. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And then when God looks at us, he says, those are my children. Those are my perfect children. What did he say about Job? Have you considered my servant Job a what? A perfect and upright man. One that fears God and eschews evil. Does it mean Job never made a mistake? Probably not. But what it means is that Job served him the best that he knew how. That's what being perfect in the sight of God is. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make another mistake. That's not even possible. It means that you are going to serve God the best that you know how. He said David was a man after his own heart. And what did David do? We make mistakes. But to be perfect in the sight of God means to serve God the best that you know how. And then that's when he said, I'm going to make you perfect. I'm going to get all your imperfections, all your mistakes when I see that you're serving me the best and I'm going to do away with those. And I'm going to make you perfect in the sight of God. When Jesus sees us and he molds us and he makes us, then he can make us perfect for God. But he'll never let us go through more than we can handle. You know, sometimes we see people and they go to church and we're like, man, why don't you just get a grip? Just serve God already. It looks like they can't. But you know God knows his people. And he's not going to push you to where he kills you. You get one of these children, they probably can all run longer than me <clears throat> because of my lungs that I have destroyed. But you get a normal child and a normal adult, <clears throat> even my age, that hasn't smoked most of their life. And that child can't outrun that, that adult. There's no way. And if you make them and make them and make them, you'll kill that child. You will kill that child. If I was to go and say, well, come on, Isaiah, you're old enough to eat steak and eggs with me. That little guy would probably die of trying to eat steak and nothing else because it's too much. He's too little. You get an infant and just give them hamburger meat and you'll kill them. They need the sincere milk of the truth. So when we are so-called adults in Christ, if you, if you want to call it that way, don't be so hard on people that are trying because they need to be nourished and brought up and, and it takes time and, and God knows how long it takes. We just got to keep praying. We just got to keep fasting. We got to keep letting our light shine so that one day they will have the same testimony as we do. God brought me from there and he put me to here and now their light can shine to bring the next generation up to God. And we can go on and the cycle can continue to go and go and go. And we can rely on those. I don't care how much I'm fighting. It's not impossible. 
because God said, I'm not going to suffer no more to come upon you than you're able to bear. And another scripture says, Father, all that you have gave me, I have lost none. So all these people in the world, God, they might look like they're lost and, and very twisted and, and crazy and, and going all off the deep end. If God called them, there's a chance. We have to just let God use us that he can be able to bring his other people out. We can't give up. We can't give up. When I was reading this, this one goes on to say, and I think a little farther down, that I'm going to gather them from the north and from the east and from the south. God didn't forget about his creation. He didn't forget about not one person in this world. He's ready and willing and wanting to gather his creation. He's just looking for those bodies that he can use to be able to go and preach the gospel because Jesus isn't coming down again to walk this earth in the flesh and preach the gospel. He's waiting for you and I to go do that where he can do it through us so he can gather his people from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west and bring them to the house of God. But it takes somebody to say, Lord, you could use me. Here am I. You can use me. We don't have to be afraid of the fights. We don't have to be afraid of what the devil can do or what man can do. We need to understand that God is in control of everything. There's not a problem that God can't handle. There's not a situation that God doesn't know about. We're going to go to Mark 3, 23 through 26. And he called them unto him and said unto them, in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. Amen. You cannot cast out yourself in a way of speaking. Here's a, a nice analogy. We went to the woods, me and Eric, and we fell this extremely humongous tree. And I tied a rope to the tree and tied it to my truck and tried to pull it out, but I couldn't. So then Eric tied his truck to my truck so that we could both pull him out. But the ground that we were on was the same song. He was spinning, I was spinning. The tree didn't move. How can the blind lead the blind? Now, if he would have been on concrete and I would have been in soft dirt, we probably would have pulled that tree out. But because his dirt was as soft as my dirt, they didn't do anything. We were in four below and all those tires did was spin. If you are a part of the world, how can you pull the world out of the world? If you are doing what they are doing, how can you preach deliverance to somebody that you are in the same situation? We can't. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and then you can bring them out. But we cannot expect God to do all these miracles and deliverance when we are a part of the problem. We have to be out of the problem and be a part of the solution. And then God can use us to go and bring them out. But how can we pull somebody out if we're sitting with them? It can't happen. If we're blind, we can't lead somebody else as blind. We're both going to fall in the ditch. If I'm in a wheelchair, how am I going to tell you how to walk? And I don't know how. It's not going to happen. But when we go to God and we get away from there, then we can cast out devils. We can heal the sick. Not us, of course, but Jesus Christ through us. 
He can cast out devils. He can heal the sick. Why? Because we are not possessed. If we have the spirit of disobedience and the spirit of, of lust and the spirit of pride and the spirit of, of, of covetousness for the things of the world, how can we go and try to cast those devils out of somebody else? The devil's not going to rise against himself, but he sure will try to rise against God. So we got to get those out of us first, and then we can go cast them out of somebody else, Jesus Christ through us. Again, definitely not us on our own, but Jesus Christ through us, if we are clean. And only Jesus can clean us. And this, this, uh, what really stuck out to me is because that, the devil fights so unfair. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And what's one of the first things the devil tries to do in not just this building, but in all of our own temples, tries to make confusion and doubt and unbelief, and we begin to war inside, and we begin to get confused, and then he knows that we can't do anything because we're all divided in our own bodies, in our own minds, and we don't know the truth, and we don't know a lie, and we don't, we're getting all confused, and he's over there having a blast. They can't cast me out because they're dividing themselves. But this scripture says that I will lift up a standard when the devil comes in like a flood and he begins to make you down and he begins to make you not know what side to choose. He said, I will lift up a standard. And sometimes if you notice when you're so confused, if you just stop and say, Lord, I don't want to be confused. I want to know right from wrong. He will immediately lift up that standard. And he will let you know right from wrong. He will show you if you really want to know. If you don't mind being confused, he don't get in the way. But when you don't want to be confused and you really want to know the truth, he'll tell you the truth. He'll show you the truth. Don't go down that road. You know better than that. Go over here. Yes, it's a little bumpy and a little rocky, but there is peace at the end. Because if you choose that one that looks all smooth, you will see fast because it only looks good, but it's not that good. And he will tell you, don't let the devil just be all up in there. When you start feeling like, I don't know which way to go and I don't know what to choose, pray. Say, Lord, I don't want to be confused because you're not the author of confusion. I don't want to be all uh, bombarded that I can't think straight. He said, I will give you a sound mind, which means it's not going to be all cluttered. It's going to know what to choose and which way to go. We don't have to be confused. The devil is the author of confusion. And he does that on purpose because he cannot fight you one-on-one -on -one in a way of speaking. But if he gets you all confused, he has a chance. But as long as you got the mind of Christ and you're thinking clearly, he can't beat you. He has no chance and he knows that. So he first tries to get us all twisted up and confused, and then he can throw a whole bunch of looks like peace. Well, see, you guys are confused over there, but if you do this, there's no confusion. And sometimes we just whatever makes it stop, don't do that. When you're confused, praise Lord, I don't want to be confused. You're not the author of confusion. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I do this? And God will tell you. We're going to Zephaniah. 3, 17 through 20. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his left, he will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halted, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again, 
even in the time that I gather gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before the eyes, said the Lord. See, sometimes we gotta go through things. But God said, I'm gonna give you fame and honor in the land where you were put to shame. Those days that the devil had us bound and had us so confused and had us fighting within our own selves and our land was corrupt with everything that we decided to do for sin. Once we turn to God, he said, I'm going to bring you honor and fame. You will be able to rest in the love of God in your own mind. You will have your own peace of mind. You will be able to say, Satan, you have done all that destruction, but the God that I serve has brought me out of all of that and now I can rest in the love of Jesus Christ. He said I'm going to give you honor and fame. I don't really necessarily believe it's only talking about Klamath Falls. I believe it's talking about our spiritual walk. Yes, we will have honor and fame in Klamath Falls if our light shines bright enough and people will know that there is a God in Israel but it starts within ourselves. That's where it all starts is within ourselves when our temple is full of honor when the devil has to be cast out of our own temple, of our own mind, of our own house that we are building for God and when he turns around and he comes back because the Bible says when the devil is cast out he goes in dry places seeking rest and finds none and then he says to himself I'm going to go back to that place from whence I came out and when he comes back and he sees Jesus sitting in your heart you get that gives you honor that gives you fame knowing that you are a child of the king you are clean you have the Holy Ghost you have the gifts of God and all he can do is look but he cannot enter anymore that's the privilege that we have when we turn to God that's the privilege we have when we let Jesus live within us. He said, I'm going to bring you honor when the devil turns back and looks. And he sees everything that God has blessed you with. And he sees the commandments of God written upon the tables of your heart. Knowing that there is no place for him in there anymore. That doesn't mean he's not going to fight you at the gate. That means he can't get in there anymore. He can't make you all confused anymore. He can't stir up your own mind and make you fight against yourself anymore. He said, I'm going to take them out of this land. And yeah, they might stand at the gate and try to fight, but the inside will be whole. The inside will be full of peace. The inside will have the love of Jesus Christ. You might fight me outside, but as long as I don't open that gate, there's nothing you can do on the inside. We're going to go back to chapter 9, verse 8 of Zechariah. It says, and I will encamp about mine house because of the army. He said, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. God has encamped his angels round about us because he already knows that the devil has an army that he's trying to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God made us a promise. I know the devil has an army, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to encamp around about you uh, that he might be able to fight on the outside, but he will never be able to fight you on the inside again. Let this mind that is in Christ also be in you. And then we will have peace of mind. And oh man, we might have to buckle up and bow down and grab our sword and our shield and go fight the enemy where? At the gate. Because he cannot come back in. Inside is peace. 
Insight is refuge. Insight is love. Insight is compassion. If you want to fight at my gate, I will meet you at the gate. He said you will be able to fight them at the gate, but they can't come back in. But first, God's got to get them out, which is all that confusion, all that doubt, all that unbelief, all that pointing the finger, all that blame, all that guilt, all that shame. Get it out. Once it's out, then he will put up a standard. Then he will encamp. Encamp means to stay for a long period of time, not just for the day. He said, I will encamp about you. Why? Because I know what the devil has plotted for you. I know that the devil's over there gathering an army. I know that the devil is going to get you as soon as he has a chance. But when he gets to your house, when he gets to your mind, when he gets to that temple, he's going to find my army all the way around it. There's no way he can get in. And then our prayers will be heard. Our thanksgiving will be true thanksgiving. Because you know sometimes it's hard to give thanks when your heart's not really in it. The devil fights you so bad and you're going through so much and you know that you're supposed to give thanks. And you say, Lord, I thank you for the good times and I thank you for the bad times. But really, your heart is saying, Lord, please do something because this is hard. He sees that we try. But once we really begin to trust him, and you can't trust somebody you don't know. So when you get to know God, then you'll be able to trust him. And when you can be able to trust him, then all of that doubt and confusion and unbelief and sorrow will be gone. Yeah, you might still cry because this is the flesh and things do get hard. But when you say thank you for the good times, it will come from a heart of praise. Lord, I really do thank you for the hard times. I really do thank you for everything that seems to be going wrong in my life. Why can we be so thankful? Because we know that all things work together for the good. So then when we're going through something, we will be able to say, thank you, Jesus, because at the end of this road, there is victory, there is deliverance, there is a great reward waiting for me if I make it to the end. And we can be really happy on the inside. Because sometimes right now, even for myself, I do say thank you, Jesus. And I try to be thankful, but there's so many things going wrong. I don't feel like the thanks is really, really there. I'm saying it because I know I'm supposed to. But one day, if we just keep holding on, we will really be able to say thank you, Jesus. No matter how bad it looks. Because we know all things work together for the good. This must be a big blessing at the end of this room. So let it keep on going. Because I like big presents. I do. I love big presents. I even like the little ones that are worth a lot. They gave me a Home Depot card for Christmas. I was tickled. I almost spent the whole thing in one day. Just Home Depot was like open. <laughs> you know, because it, it was a, that, was the, that was the deal. I had a Home Depot card and a Harbor Freight card. I spent it all. Some things I didn't even need, but I, <laughs> or basically free. I, this is nice. That's what the love of God is for us. It's a gift that we don't earn or deserve. And you can go and get anything you want from God. It's like that credit card that has no limit. You just go to Jesus and ask him for anything. He prefers us to ask spiritual things, but he will even do physicals too. It's that kind of gift that God gives us that you just ask him for whatever. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. If all of that is gone out of us. 
the doubt, the unbelief, the frustration, the confusion. Get it out, and then we will make it in. The last one is Luke 21, 25 through 28. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, sea and the wind roaring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Isaiah 59, 19-21 So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and the glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and to them that turn from transgression in Jacob saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Amen. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. God said, when I put my spirit upon you, and when I put my words in your mouth, they won't leave. Don't let them let them go. Don't let them leave you. Because they will protect you. They will lead you. They will guide you. They will give you wisdom and understanding when you need it the most. If you let the words that God has given to you already be of effect in your life. There's another scripture that says you make the word of God of none effect in your life. Let the word of God be fully effective in your life. And it will lead you, it will guide you, it will protect you, it will show you, it will strengthen you when you're weak, it will give you provision when you're lacking. It is what we need. And then in Luke, it says that when all of these things begin to happen. Now this is talking a lot about the end times, but if you think about even your life, when the devil comes in like a flood and you begin to see everything look so bad, when your spirit begins to be shaken, when your faith begins to be tried, it's, it says when the heavens are shaken, it means when your faith is begin to be shaken, when the devil begins to poke at your faith, when he begins to see what you really believe, when he begins to try to fight you in every direction, the Bible says just look up, don't look down. Don't look at the waves of the sea. Don't look and see the, the trees bowing down because it is so windy. Don't look at those trees that are being rooted up because the storm is so strong. When the storm is in your life and it is so bad and it is so strong, Jesus said all you got to do is look up because I can see what you're going through. I can see that storm that you're facing. I can see the other side of that storm. All you can do is see for the present, but I see all through the future. So when it gets bad for you, just make sure that you look up because when you look up, your redemption is at hand because he said, I will not suffer no more to come upon you than you're able to bear. No matter how big those waves seem, it doesn't matter if the boat is filling up with water. Remember that you your redeemer is at hand he was watching his disciples the whole time the winds was contrary the waves were going the ship was filling up with water they were trying to fight for their lives and he was watching the whole time because he's not gonna let you drown 
He's not going to let you fail. So when it seems horrible and seems bad, remember always look up. He said, because your redemption is drawing nigh. See, when the disciples were in there, they began to look, and when they looked around, they saw Jesus walking on the water. They had no idea that their redemption was drawing nigh. Jesus was on his way to the rescue. Although he already knew what was going to happen, he still was showing up. Just because God knows what we're going through, he also knows how we feel when we're going through it. He knows it can be scary sometimes. He knows it can be hard sometimes. But he said, just look up, look up. You'll see me, you'll see my strength, you'll see my salvation, you will see my power if you just look up. See, Peter got out of that boat. As long as he was looking up, he saw his redemption coming. And he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And he started. He got up, the only person in biblical history that ever walked on the water, as far as I know, besides Jesus, of course, and began to walk on that water. He was walking, he was doing just fine. The Bible didn't say that the, the wind stopped and the water was calm and Jesus prepared it for him and, and made it really good and said, okay, Peter, it's really peaceful now. You can, you can walk now. He didn't say that. The storm never quit. The wind was the same strong. The waves were the same high. But he was able to walk as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he looked down, it's kind of like he snapped into reality. This is bad. No, it's, not. it's the same problem you were just walking on. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to see. It doesn't matter what we're going through, what the storm is, whether it be our fault, not our fault, somebody else's, the devil, Jesus letting us go through stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. You can't have something better or anyone better than Jesus Christ himself coming to your rescue, coming to save you, coming to lift you up, coming to just make it all be better. After he told Peter, oh, ye of little faith, where did you doubt? After all of that, then he rebuked the storm, not before. Sometimes it looks bad in our lives. Sometimes it looks like we're going through a lot. And Jesus doesn't need to make it go away. We just need to walk to Jesus. It's not that big. And Jesus said, can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the same baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, yes, we can. And Jesus said, yes, you can which means you can do anything that Jesus did with him, of course, not on our own. We could walk on the water spiritually, physically, if needed to be, not just as a show, but if it needed to be, we could. We could say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and it would. We can see, say to the sycamore tree, be plucked up and planted over there, and it would. We could do anything that Jesus did because he's still doing it. He just chose to do it through us. But we have to let him. We have to have faith. We have to believe. We have to get all of this out first. And then he can begin to move. I was over there in the woods and I was fasting. And I, I know Wesley went to the woods too fast for his own reason. And I had told you guys before that I was sometimes so lonely I was about to marry the wrong person because it was just that bad. And I knew this woman practiced witchcraft. And I was ready to suffer the consequences later. Of how lonely I was. I was just going to go marry her anyway, and then I'll, I'll deal with the flesh problems later. 
But that was the mindset. That's how bad it was. The devil was just better to marry than a burden. It's better to marry than a burden. It was so ugly. And I said, Lord, I don't want to feel like this. I don't, I don't like feeling like this. And he said, this kind of comes up by this people fasting and praying. And I tried to fast, but I'm a guy that I'm a very much a people person. I did not notice, but I am. And so when I try to do something, if somebody's not doing it with me, it's really hard. I mean, I could fast for a day or two by myself, but I kind of needed a push. And so Wesley, when he said that, I said, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to do this. This is my opportunity. I got somebody that's going to do it. And that he'll push me because now I can't stop because I already said I was. So I was enjoying the whole scenario. So I said, yes, I'm going for it. And we did. We went out to the woods and we began to fast and pray. And day one, I was like, man, everything would be nice. But I couldn't because Wesley was fasting. And so it was pushing and I was so excited on day five. We've had fasted for five days, and on the fifth day, I was laying in my bed, and I was praying. I said, Lord, you said this kind of comes out by nothing but fasting and praying. And I don't know how long I have to fast, but if you say more than seven days, I'm going to go for it because I need this to stop. I need it to stop. On day five, I was laying on my bed, and I saw the devil get up out of my house. That devil was so big that it looked like if he spread his wings, they would have went from one end of my trailer to the next. And I looked at that big old thing, and he walked right out of my house. And I said, oh, Wesley, I said, I got what I wanted. I said, I got what I wanted. I said, because I said minimum of seven days, I'm going to push it, but really... I already got what I wanted. So we did finish. God bless us to finish the seven days. And you know, I've never been lonely since that day. Never been lonely. Never even crossed my mind. He said, this kind comes out by nothing but fasting and praying. I encourage you guys, give yourself to pray. I'm not saying you have to fast. And if you don't fast for seven days, God's not listening. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is do fast. I don't care if it's once a week or a couple of hours. Just fast and pray. And whatever you want, God will do it. He will do it. Strongholds are broken through fasting and praying. He told his disciples, they said, how can we cast out this devil? For one, he said, because of your unbelief. Nevertheless, even if you did believe, this kind comes out by nothing but fasting and praying. There's some problems in our lives that will not move unless we fast and pray. They won't budge. They won't move. That's just how much power God gave them. And we decided to go and meddle with them. And now we got stuck. You know, so had I never known a woman, I would have never had that problem. Never. But because I went and I put myself in that situation, now this kind comes out by nothing but fasting and praying. But I praise God for honoring that fast. I just praise God. I was so happy. I came off that mountain and I said, you know what, Jesus is real. And every word of God is true. Every word. If it's written, it's real. You could trust it, rely on it, believe it, go all the way because it is real and it don't change. Saints. Let God encamp around about us. But he's not going to encamp around about us if we're still fighting within. We got to get it out, choose, follow, run, and he will encamp around about us. And nothing else will be able to make us doubt or waver or unsure or I, I just don't know. We don't, we don't have to feel that way no more. We could be 100% positive and sure 
and then he will encamp round about us and will protect the inside. Yes, we're going to have trouble, but they won't be safe. Then we can help those that are out there. This Thanksgiving thing is a really good way to fulfill a lot of scriptures in one shebang. I'm very, very happy to do this. We could feed the hungry. We could visit the poor. We could. We don't have to say be fed and warmed and clothed and not do anything. We're actually doing something. So he says, when I was sick and in prison, and some of these not meaning prison as in the jail that's up there. We are imprisoned in our own life. We are imprisoned in our own self. And we can visit the prisoners, but we have to be free in order to free them. You ain't gonna get no inmate going around in the jail and unlocking cells. And I've never seen that. I don't think that's about to happen. But the officers, they can go and unlock the cells. So if we are not imprisoned in our own selves, we can then go set free people that are in prison. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The altar is open. If anyone wants, just come up. God has everything that we need.
My God, I thank you and I praise you, oh Lord God. Lord, you've done miracles. You have done so many wonders. And I thank you, my God. And I'm just saying the Lord. Because you have stood up for me. But you didn't even think that I was that real. But you have stood up for me and fought against family, fought against friends. And you have stood for me. Thus said the Lord, I also will stand up for you. Let me rule your life. touch you and you'll find you never will be the same for oh, there's only one way to touch him just never be the same. Lord, we are your servants. Mold us and make us after thy will. Lord, clean us out, oh God. There's only one way. Help us to believe. We believe. Help thou our unbelief. Take away doubt. Take away unbelief. We know and we believe in the name of Jesus. Oh, touching Jesus is all that really matters. And your fun, you never will be the same.
them, my God. Lord, bless them in the name of Jesus. Let them hear what you have to say to them, my God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, don't let none of my words fall to the ground, for they are not mine, but yours, O oh Lord God. Strengthen us and keep us and mold us and make us after thy will, my God. Let us be the church that you are coming back for. In the name of Jesus, a church without a spot, a wrinkle, a blemish, or any such thing. My Father, those that have been a part of this ministry, Lord, lead us and guide us. My Father, strengthen us. Unite us. Make us one. One in the Holy Ghost. One in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let us be fit for the Master's use. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. Lord, every day let us grow and become stronger. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, my God. And let the church say, praise the Lord for his mercy, endureth forever. In Jesus' name, thank you, my God. 